This is the Hack the Future podcast, the human stories behind courage, purpose, and imagination. Join your host, Terrence Mowry, who will guide you on the journey of reimagining the world as we know it. Today, I want to plant a narrative in the here and now. How do you scale a future that is ever-learning and ever-changing? Intelligence is usually seen as the ability to think and learn. But in a rapidly changing world, there's another set of cognitive skills that might matter more. The ability to rethink and unlearn. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce Abigail Postner. Abigail is a director of the Brand Unit, Google's leading creative think tank for agencies and brands. Her research on humanizing digital has unlocked new ways to understand how human beings' deep emotional relationships are evolving in the digital space. Abigail, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm great. I'm so excited to be joining you. I always love chatting with you, Terrence. Me too. It's really good to have you here. And I wanted to start off straight away uh, to understand more about this exciting role you do at Google, Director of Brand Unit. Tell me more about your mandate, your mission, and also one of these incredible initiatives, Humanizing Digital. Sure. Um, Well, I have the privilege of working with a group of teams whose main goal is to help our clients, so big advertisers, uh, develop meaningful and impactful creative work for YouTube. Now, what I mean by that is ads on YouTube, but also content, so the branded content space, um, working with creators on YouTube or just, you know, creating their own branded content. Yes. So that's kind of. My job is to make sure that my teams are constantly evolving, creating new concepts and ideas and new best practices for our clients. Fantastic. And what about humanizing digital? Oh, yeah, that's super fun. Mm. Um, So, you know, that kind of happened by accident. Uh, Basically, going back a number of years, because I'm kind of old at this point, um, (laughs) I actually, I studied uh, social anthropology. And actually with a, with a focus, yes. yeah, yeah, with a focus on economic anthropology. And most people are probably scratching their head going, what is that? <laughs> yes. um, and what can you do with that? But if you really break it down, the, the study of anthropology is the study of why people do what they do. And usually groups of people, not individuals. Yeah. Um, so, you know, why people eat what they eat or wear what they wear. Or in the case of economic anthropology, why they trade what they trade. Well, you know, how they view value and currency and so forth. So I took that passion and love for culture and human beings everywhere I went. Mm. And so... Um, I spent the majority of my career before Google working in the advertising space. And there I was a brand strategist or account planner. I think in the UK, you call it account planner. And um, we basically focused on my my role, basically focused on why people buy what they buy. Right. Um, And if any of you who work in marketing know, people buy things for a whole variety of reasons and very, very deep reasons. Everything from Cheetos to insurance to soda. Um, so I, I always had this love for really understanding human beings. It's all about human beings. Now, fast forward yes. to Google and I'm here at Google and advertising uh, gal. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know anything about technology, really. Um, but I'll try to figure it out. And in the meantime, 
I got to say, I do know a lot about anthropology. Yes. And what was striking me was how much information uh, there was, how much data there was about what people were doing mm. on the digital space. So, mm. you know, how, how many clicks it took to get to a sale mm. or um, how many people were watching a certain video or how often people were on their mobile phone. Yes. And that was important. No question. That's important. Mm. But nobody was really asking why. Why are they on their phone so much? What is really the value that they're getting? Why do people have to be connected to so many different social media platforms? Why not just yes. like one and go with it? Right? It's going up. Why? It seems to be, you know, every, if yeah. I think about the last like 10 years of my own life, I'm definitely you know, probably texting more, online more in general. Exactly. And, you know, why are people watching crazy videos? You know, I always yeah. love the, the, the crazy mundane ones. things we seem to be doing. Yeah, because there's lots and lots of meaning behind it. So I decided um, to launch a number of studies yes. with Google uh, where we would, we would put PhD anthropologists in the field, mm -hmm. you know, like doing their ethnographic work um, to try to understand the deeper meaning that people had with all these technologies. Because if we understand not just what people are doing, but mm -hmm. why they're doing it, then we know how to truly leverage these different devices and platforms and digital places and spaces in ways that are truly meaningful. Yes. And so the culmination of those all those studies is called humanizing digital. And to this day, people are still starving for that kind of information because they don't, you know, it's not natural for people to always think about technology and humanity in the same sphere yes I, I came across a word recently cobot which is this kind of collaboration with robots so oh cobot, so cobot. <laughs> yes and it was a new this new word and you know there's all sorts of different um studies out there and, and different uh, reports as well some more positive some more negative one i came across recently i think it was a mckinsey said that one in three jobs might be automated within the next five years and i wanted to ask you should we you know should in terms of looking towards the future do we do we have to fear the future or should we look at the future uh at sort of working alongside technology with confidence well, I am. Um, uh, I'm going to stack the deck here because yes. I'm an I'm an optimist um, in, in general, and and I think too, I really truly believe in the ingenuity and in the intentions of human beings. I mean, look, there's always bad seeds out there. There are always people who are going to push against what. Um, what we need to do to be successful. But yes. for the most part, if you actually look at the majority of human beings, and this is kind of maybe my anthropology uh, context coming to play here, but yes. most people really just want to have a better future for themselves and their families. And they will do yes. everything they can to progress and to be more ingenious and more creative. And look, mm -hmm. I see it every day with the humanizing digital work that I do, yes. um, where the, they yes. are, you know, they just want to evolve for the better. So, you know, I truly believe that as we evolve with technology, we will get more, uh, we, we will be smarter, we will be more creative, we will be more ingenious, we will be helping society, um, the community, environment more. Yes. Will we be making mistakes along the way? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think people forget that 
technology in the way we think of it, you know, digital technology yes. is so nascent. It's so new, mm -hmm. right? I mean, how many times did it take us to develop fire and metallurgy and toilets before we got it right, right? So it's going to take time for us to navigate through these systems and yes. through these, these technological um, advancements to ensure that a, people don't use them improperly, and B, that they're used to their best ability. Yes. And as we do that, we will inevitably make the world a better place. I truly believe I love, that. I and love I see that. It. I love that. And I wanted to ask you, I know that curiosity is very close to your heart and this is kind of gap between what we know and what we want to know. And I wanted to ask you, what do you think are going to be the most coveted capabilities and qualities of a human, you know, 10, 20 years down the line? Yeah. Good question. Gosh, if I knew that I'd be, I'd be so rich, right? Cause I'd be able to harness all of it. No, but I think, um, I think it's probably some of the same qualities that we've always needed mm -hmm. to evolve as a species, which is, um, the ability to collaborate yes. and get along with other people. Um, that's probably numero uno. Yes. Uh, we take that for granted. And it's really hard, really, really hard. I, I can't tell you how many stacks of books I have on how to negotiate with people. But that's going to be number one, mm -hmm. is to be able to collaborate and, and co-create. I think yes. that's key. And then I think the others are really a sense of empathy and understanding. And I don't mean empathy like I sympathize with no. you. I mean, empathy, like I understand you mm -hmm. because only through shared understanding can we one create products or services or future states yes. for human beings that are truly meaningful. And also, and maybe selfishly speaking, it makes you more understanding of yourself. Mm -hmm. And don't we all really need that so that we can let go of the ego issues in the way for us to be able to collaborate yes. and be a better partner with others and develop because we can't do it on our own. I mean, those people who sit in a lab and just kind of don't talk to anybody, don't work with anybody. There's, there's a few of those, you know, my father's one of those guys, but, <laughs> but still like at the end of the day, you have to co-create in order to come up with something really special. This is, so, I mean, um, this is such a, an interesting inflection point as well. I think in terms of human history, uh, like, you know, a CEO said to me recently that, you know, the last year's counseled. And I said, well, not necessarily. It's, I think we can harness this uncertainty as an opportunity to, to reinvent as well and reimagine relevancy. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, I cannot tell you how many clients I work with who have had to open their minds mm -hmm. very quickly to new solutions, new ways of doing things, new types of people to collaborate with yes. because the world has turned upside down. And look, that requires a certain mentality too. Yes. And I think that's probably the third aspect to this whole storyline, which mm -hmm. is, you know, what's going to really take us uh, to be able to catapult ourselves into a, a great future state mm -hmm. is having the confidence and the belief that we can do it. 99% yes. of the time, it's we hold ourselves back. We have seen throughout the, the, the decades, the millennia, how human beings have been ingenious yes. and creative and uh, come up with solutions. I mean, just to come up with fire, like that, 
changed human history. That changed ecology. That changed everything. Yes. And like, that's pretty freaking ingenious. Yes. So we have to remind ourselves of that. Remind yes. ourselves of how amazing we are as individuals and as a community when we collect all these great minds together. I recently wrote that uh, you know, values uh, and culture as well are a bit like fingerprints. We, we don't necessarily see them, but they leave their marks everywhere. And right. I wanted to ask you, you know, Google's culture is, is legendary for learning, experimenting and failing fast. And, you know, what, what do you, you know, if you were to kind of bottle it, bottle it up, what, what do you think is the secret source and the key drivers of a, a kind of future-proof, resilient, agile culture for the 21st century? Um, well, number one, I remember when I first came to Google and someone had a meeting with me and I never actually met with him again, but it was such an influential meeting because he yeah. said to me, you have to understand Google is not a hierarchical culture. It's a network-based culture. Mm -hmm. And what that implied was that there is no kind of clear... Um, you know, you know, it's not, you don't have to just report up to the best, to the, to the, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Big Cheese in the organization and yes. think if you're, if they're in love with you, you're fine. You cannot get anything done without the collaboration of these other teams. And that's really hard, yes. but it's also in a way quite stimulating too, because I know I'm going to get so much interesting input mm -hmm. by cross-functional collaboration. Yes. So you know, yes, there are these statements like fail fast and um, iteration, and that's great. And that is, mm -hmm. you know, I can repeat that and say that that is, you're absolutely right. Those are tenants and those are extremely valuable. But what people don't realize too are some of the underlying cultural constructs mm -hmm. that allow for that to happen. And one of them is this notion of collaboration is key. And if you yeah. cannot collaborate with other people, if you are a lone soldier, you're going to wither and die because you just cannot come up with the the bold and and critical ideas quickly. Mm. You know, all those elements have to be part of these ideas in order to be successful at Google mm. without that sense of collaboration um, and everything yes. that comes with it. Right. Yes. We're talking about humanity here. You got to be nice to people. <laughs> you you got to have good intentions. You gotta, I, I mean, you, I remember I, I had a boss. I had a boss who was whose nickname was the shadow because literally you'd be working away, then you'd hear this breathing and a shadow and feel chilled down your spine. And yes, and, and that's it was like just kind of crazy. The, uh, it, was, it was terrifying, Abigail. It, I, right. So fear, a fear-based culture is mm. going to get you absolutely nowhere. I mean, you may have people working the midnight hours, but are they going to come up with good ideas? And I, and I think that's kind of um, known, but I can't stress it enough, which yeah. is, what are we here for? We are here to create a better future. We are here to create ideas. It's not about work and getting work done. If you're just about getting work done and stamping a, car, a you know punch card, yes. then yeah, you should probably create a fear-based culture because then people will ensure that they punch in and punch out at the right time. Yes. But if you're trying to create a culture in which people are going to be creative, which by the way, every future forward organization should be you know, thinking yes. like that should be, you know, and they want their folks to be in a creative state of mind. Mm -hmm. You can't do it in a fear-based culture yeah. because that just, you know, the lack of psychological safety means people will not bring up ideas, will not challenge one another, and will not um, really try to put themselves out on the edge. And that's what you need. So 
to come up with ideas, as I said, one, you have to be able to collaborate. You have to believe that other people are just as smart or smarter than you. And in fact, the more diverse the team, Mm. the better. And I don't just mean diverse as in culturally diverse or um, uh, from a gender standpoint. Cognitive cognitive as well. Cognitively diverse. Absolutely. Mm. So um, you need a collaborative culture and you need a culture that is... um, that is full of psychological safety because ideas are going to be crazy and you need to be able to test those out and tease them and squeeze them and put them in different directions. And you need to be able to have the confidence that if the idea doesn't necessarily go in the direction that you wanted it to go, it's okay. And you can come back and start again. How, how have you found the whole sort of working from home or working from anywhere experience and, have you kind of over the last 12 months, the journey that we've all been on, are there any any, any sort of surprises from that experience? Like, you know, for example, some of the research coming out, Adam Grant at Wharton Business School, for some people, more risk, high risk of burnout, um, yeah. less, sometimes less creativity or serendipity or social connection. Right. I just wanted to get a sense of your personal journey of, of kind of working, you know, working from home or working from anywhere. Yeah. Any kind of, Uh, insights for what that means for a a productive remote culture in the future. Yeah. Um, You know, clearly it's, I've been living like nine lives (laughs) in the course of what, nine months, right? Because um, with every, with every month, there were different challenges that you had to face Mm. um, because of the unknown of COVID, because technology wasn't ready for it, because people weren't ready for it. So what is remarkable to me is how we've evolved so quickly. True. Personally, I've had um, a, a number of different experiences. I'm not sure they're the same as everybody. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm really fortunate because I have older t- children. Yes. So I didn't have as much of the caretaking, um, you know, one w- one hand in caretaking, one hand at work kind of situation. There was a little bit of that. Yes. Um, but they're, they're very self-sufficient ones in college, um, two, two are in high school and, you know, yeah, we all have to, you know, sometimes I have to work in a closet because <laughs> I'm in, I live in Manhattan, but you know, honestly, I, I didn't have to face that, but I know a lot of people are facing that. And that is a real challenge. And Google has done some amazing things to, to, uh, support those, those folks who have childcare responsibilities, yes. but I, I didn't have that. It does. It does. I, I didn't. Ha- I mean, yeah, I probably have to cook more than I expected to. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, obviously, I don't travel like I used to, and I do, you would think do that's a to, lot of travel. Do you see? Do you, do you see some of these changes as permanent shifts, or do you think we'll kind somewhat, of bounce back? Somewhat. Somewhat. I think we're going to be more purposeful. Yes. In everything, in more purposeful, and and I don't think that's a bad thing. So do you have to meet with every client every time you have a presentation? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Is that going to lessen the productivity? Not necessarily. But when you do have a meeting with a client, you will make it that much more pur- purposeful. Mm-hmm. I think the same thing, you know, you, you had asked about um, speaking and public speaking, and you and I are both public speakers. Yes. And quite frankly, one of the best aspects of public speaking is being there is being on the stage and feeling the energy of the people in front of you, positive or negative, Mm. right. Um, And we're not, you know, we may not be having that as much as we used to, but what COVID has done 
is forced us to re rethink. And I'm going to get to that in a second, yes. but, but more, but more, you know, to this point about purposeful, it, it, you know, purposeful in-person contact, I could imagine that now our conferences are going to be so much better, yes. so much richer because someone is really going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to really think about whether I want to get on a plane to this destination. And yes. what am I going to get from being in person that I wouldn't have gotten from all the great new capabilities that we have on technology from our computers, right? Yes. So the onus is on us, the speaker, as well as the conference creator to make that experience that much more purposeful. Yes. I um, love that. I love that this idea of just being more purposeful on yes. a daily basis. And, you know, I've come across research that when you do practice purpose and feel like you're living it, you're more energized, you're, you're more resilient, uh, even your mortality is, uh, you know, you, you live for longer. I totally buy that. And I'll tell you something else, yes. you know, speaking of working from home. So because I, because of all of the emphasis on emotional well-being now, mm which is super great because it's, it's not great for those who, who, who are suffering, but it is great that there's an awareness. So I've been a lot more aware of what I need for, for my um, sense of well-being. Yes. And so I am, I'm more conscious of that. And one of the books I read, it's called The Happiness Trap, yes. is really all about that, Terrence. It's like, great. you're not going to be happy every day of your life. That should not be, there's some kind of, you know, 20th, 20th or 21st century Western belief that everyone's, uh, you know, goal in life should be to, to be happy. Yes. No, the goal is, is to have a purpose. And if there are things in your life that are getting in the way of your purpose, mm. then we have to figure out how to deal with that, right? If they're making you unhappy so you can't fulfill your purpose, ask yourself, mm. are they really necessary to, to getting you on your path to, to, you know, achieving your purpose? Or yes. maybe are they going to activate you that much more to achieve your purpose. So totally agree with that. And I think this whole working from home environment has just, has alerted us to things that we never really realized. And if we have the, the intention, the right intention mm -hmm. have actually allowed us to take them and reinterpret these moments to, to open it's, our minds to new, to new possibilities. I, and I, so I, I was going to come, know, just come in there yeah. quickly, which is yeah. for me, it's, um, it's kind of elevating humanity, which is, I know, a theme that's close to both of our hearts. And yeah. you know, I think a quick story of that was that I was speaking with the CFO of a, of a big company and you know, all of a sudden his eight-year-old daughter walked in right. with a cup of coffee and it was like the first <laughs> time that she'd done that. And it was a real moment of compassion. And the CFO, yeah. who was always quite you know, serious and uh, and you know, in professional mode, it was a you know he was he was completely um, blown away by that, and I was I was totally. kind of I was a, I was part of that moment, and I thought well, you'd never you'd never get that in a normal right. boardroom. Totally, and I've heard that story so many times yes. in in different ways from different people, and I think so. When you ask what's going to continue, I think I, I am hopeful that this focus on health and wellness, mental wellness, will continue, and you know I I intend to meditate. Um, like things I would never think about before. Mm -hmm. And also I think that we can't, we can no longer go back to the, I'm in work mode and my home mode is a different mode. No, it's like, to, it's like fluid. you said, I think people, exactly more fluidity. And then finally, look, I've been blessed because Google has ensured a 
you know, a, a, a work from home experience that is as productive as possible and has given us a stipend to be able to purchase the kinds of things we needed. And it was, by the way, I got to say, I, I, I went through months of buying different things, whether it's mics or cameras or, you know, and having to throw them away and, you know, you, 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 you live and learn, but it's really exciting for me. Yes. And maybe this is my personality, but I love constraints. I think one of the keys to being creative is having a constraint yes. because these constraints force you to come up with new solutions. And that's what COVID has done. Yes. So for working from home, it was a huge constraint. I mean, yes, you can't travel and yes, you don't have the serendipity and yes. Right. And, and all of that. But I, I mean, let's just get down to brass tacks. I like to show off what I'm wearing, <laughs> right? Like I miss glamour. Yes. I miss the fun and excitement that comes with human interaction beyond just the, okay, conversation in the hallway. Like so much of my side hustle work, I do after hours at a bar. I can't do any of that. Like yes. that was super, super hard for me. It's but, actually, I mean, yeah. your story reminds me of a, there's a great TED talk uh, for our listeners to check out. It's um, Phil Hansen. He was an artist and he developed yeah. this nerve, this sort of nerve tremor, pointillism. Oh, and yes, his, I do know uh, about that. neurosurgeon said to him, embrace the shake. And mm -hmm. it was this idea that actually constraints and challenges are actually the secret source of creativity and thinking outside Absolutely. the box. Absolutely. It's a really, really nice inspirational talk. And it, it really resonates with what you just said, which is embrace constraints. Exactly. And so when I was first hustling, when... when yes you know, COVID hit, of course you're hustling because you're trying to figure out if you're, I mean, my son's school was the first school in the United States to close down because that's where the awesome. super spreader was. I had a kid in Israel. Yeah. I mean, it was cray cray. And then of course you got clients making all these demands because they're going through tremendous turmoil. So it's like, it was intense. But at one point, one of my buddies is like, oh, and I was trying to, <laughs> trying to push a TV show. Um, oh, yeah. And of course everything shuts down. Yes. Yeah. And so my friend from, from work said, all right, so you can't do your TV show, but what you can do is get on Zoom or Google Meet or whatever you know platform you choose to use and have video chats, one of which I did with you, yes, right? And just, just start creating your own TV show and just go with that and see what happens. Yes. Um, and so it, it, I, I, there are things that I never would have expected I could it's, do or wanted to do or had the time to do or I'm learning how to edit, you know, it's film. It's been a catalyst, hasn't it? A catalyst. Exactly, exactly. And last but not least, coming full circle, it's open doors to, to meeting new people like you yeah. and having conversations Aww. like this. Well, that's, that's, that's very kind of you. And it leads to, um, we're, we're coming to the last five minutes of our yeah. chat together. And another big theme that um, is pressing on everybody is, is resilience and this ability to kind of be anti-fragile, you know, absorb the shocks and the disruptions and the adversity and try and harness it and grow from it. And I wanted to ask you, have you got any any stories or any kind of sense of what can people what can our listeners do to scale resilience for themselves or for their teams or even in their family life yeah i i think resilience is kind of like that word empathy six months ago yes where when it was first stated people went yeah yeah we gotta do that and then it started scaring people because they're like wait a minute 
So now I have to be empathetic all the time. Now I have to be resilient all the time. And so I almost feel like there's a bit of a backlash because be tiring just thinking about it. Gonna- exactly. Like, oh my God, and now I gotta be Miss Resilient and how well. do I do that? And you know, what does that mean? And now there's just more 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 stuff I have to do and I have to show that I am I can overcome every obstacle. So I guess my feeling about that is is twofold. One is we're all we it's it's a human trait to be resilient. I mean, look at kids. They're the most resilient, right? Super it's a human kids. trait. Incredible. So don't panic if you're not perfect at it. It's not something you have to achieve, right? You're not going to get a PhD in being resilient. Mm. And so I think just to like, I think we have to like diminish it a little bit, actually. I think yes. we have to put a, take the capital R and make it a regular R. Yes. Because once we make it a capital R, people get nervous about it. It always seems inaccessible sometimes, the way that people exactly. talk about it. You think, well, that's, that's something that I need, you know, that's clearly outside of, my grasp right now go chop some wood yes. right like yeah. wait what <laughs> so i think i think we have to realize that it's not something we have to always experience every day and it's okay if sometimes we don't feel resilient and i think that's going to actually make us more resilient yes. by giving us the um the okay to say i'm human but i know deep down it's in me anyway. So you don't have to worry if you have or don't have it today. Yes. That's okay. No, that's and I great. think that's actually going to make us more resilient when we forgive ourselves and recognize that we're actually quite strong as a species and always have been. Yes. And just to, to remember that. In fact, there's a, there's a, there's a great connection that I'll, I, I want to share with you right now, which is um, a professor of, of anthropology. She's actually based out of uh, Norway. Her name's Emilia Latte. And she writes a lot about this concept called Sisu, which means Viking spirit. Mm. And it's an alchemy mm. of uh, daily courage and bounce back. And, and what she says is practice one minute of daily courage. And that's a great way of uh, building up that resilience muscle without even without even noticing. Right, Sisu. right. Yeah, it, that's great. I mean, I, I just think people have to, I, you know, I think they have to um, welcome the small shifts, like you exactly. said. I, I think that's a really important yes. thing to do and not expect a full sea change in, overnight. Final few moments. The late Oliver Sacks wrote that to thrive mm. as a human being, we need sort of three things. We need a sense of belonging, a sense of uh, believing, believing in something, and also a sense of becoming, like being in this perpetual state of beta. And I wanted to ask you, what are some of the, the passion projects that excite you the most in your life over the next 18 months? Oh my gosh. You know what? Don't even, you, you don't have enough time for that, but I know, so I'll try to do it in 30 seconds. I'm, I'm a very passionate person. Um, Are you standing up but, now sitting down still? I'm sitting down. Okay. I'm sitting down. Are you kidding? If I were standing up, thought, yeah. the roof would blow off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I would go back to the full circle from the beginning of our conversation. Yes. I have always been excited about human possibility mm. and sharing that sense of human possibility with other people. Because, you know, if we understand others, we will understand ourselves and we will be able to march forward. And so um, I do that through humanizing digital. I do that through my speeches. I do that through my, you know, fun show Decoded. And and my real passion project now is this TV show that um, is in development where, 
and, and I can't go into much detail, yes. but yeah, <laughs> but it is all about uh, really, you know, humanity and yes. and um, digging into culture and understanding all the amazing nuances mm. of these subcultures that we don't really know a lot about, but once you reveal them, Exciting. you will uh, you'll see the shared the shared humanity in all of us. Abigail, it's been such a pleasure to catch up with you again today. Thank you so much for your incredible energy and generosity of spirit. And I wanted to ask you, are there any, any sort of closing comments or words of inspiration for our listeners around the world who have endured a, you know, a tough year in some ways? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I think it's pretty remarkable that we have a vaccine, yes. which says something about human ingenuity. So and, and yes, there are some challenges getting it disseminated, but we will figure that out because that's what we do as human beings. So, you know, um, I, to, to just kind of finish it off yes. on that point, actually, it's all about human beings. Yes. And once we understand that, and I know that sounds so like, duh, stupid, but it's all about appealing to them, understanding them, understanding ourselves and how we relate to them. And really believing in ourselves and in humanity that we will get to a better place. Yes, I love that, and it it reminds me of uh, the, the sort of a final quote from the uh, philosopher Karl Popper, who said, "We have a moral obligation to be hopeful and optimistic." Absolutely, because if we're not, what's the point? Abigail, thank you so much. Look forward to thank seeing you. you again soon. Same here. In our daily lives, too many of us favor comfort over courage. We listen to opinions that make us feel good instead of ideas that make us think hard. Today, Abigail reminded me that there's more to this world than meets the eye, and it can change everything. Her passion to follow her curiosity, ask why, and stay open to serendipity are powerful ways to thrive at work and at home. In the words of the Nobel laureate Marie Curie, in life, there's nothing to be feared, only understood. And the more you understand, the less you will fear.